This is Sue Vicious, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. Station of decapitation without dread. I'm Nasty Neil. I'm treacherous Trista. Yes, and we have the fine people here from Parts Unknown, which we just watched the trailer possibly twice. <laughs> we have writer and director Rick Chandler. What's up? What's going on? It's good to have you here. And the holiness, Christina Costello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Which, not to spoil the movie, but as we talked about beforehand, she is not a demon. No, maybe inside, but not outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not convinced, but uh, <laughs> find out here. So it's good. Uh, by the way, you guys can see uh, the parts unknown on Amazon Prime currently. It's very cool. And uh, so, first of all, like, uh, what's this been like for you, Rick? Because I know that you know this is something you've been working on for a long time. And then I was at the premiere. It seems like a couple years ago. You know, and then now distribution. So it's been like a long road for it to you know get out there to a wider audience. Yeah, it it's, uh, it has. I think uh probably wrote it in 2016. We shot it in 2017. I think the premiere was, yeah, probably the following year. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey. Yeah, that's very good. How did you get involved, Christina? Um, I saw, I think, Rick, did you post a casting call? I don't even 100% remember. I just know the holiness description was like, petite and thin and creepy moving and i was like i'm small i could be creepy i'm in i'm gonna try i'm glad you added yeah. i can be creepy and just that i'm just not a, i'm not creepy yeah not a hot not all the time just sure. you know depends on the moment uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh yeah here i am now yeah so it worked out yeah had you, you had you uh know how did you know rick before that Rick, how did I know you? Did I meet you through this? I think I no, I, was, I think you met me through this, yeah. Through this, right? Oh, oh my okay. God. Yeah. I didn't even realize it's been three years since this has started. Um, I think I, I still think so. feel like it's 2018, so I'm like two years behind us right now in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's been a strange last uh, year here for, for many people. Yeah. yeah, it's like extra long right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, things that happened last year to me seems like it happened like five years ago. I'm gonna, usually yeah. the opposite, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I while I'm just, uh, go right You're going. No, you're going. Oh, I was just going to say, I think I'm um, stuck in 2018 because this year has been so bizarre. I'm just like ignoring that it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much. That's why you have the green screen there. You just plug in your own. Yeah, and I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, yeah I'm going to project 2018 behind you. I was waiting for something to happen with the green screen. but uh, I should have done something fun, but I didn't want to be, uh, you know, creepy. So I was trying to maintain. <laughs> All right. 
I think just the green screen works. So I like it. Yeah. So, but I guess for people who don't know, what is Parts Unknown about? It's not a question for me. Ah, whoever wants to explain. But we'll go with Rick. That's a you. <laughs> That's me. I was trying to pass it off to you because I don't want to explain it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a family of wrestlers. Uh, they're down in their luck with drugs and getting kicked out of the uh, big federation for, you know, doing various things. And, you know, now they're fairly psychotic and they, you know, they all kind of have their own motivations, but they're looking for this like bloodlust and um, kind of the, uh, the older kind of leader figure of the pack, uh, Herman finds that this demon and he starts to kind of follow its, its, its orders. And, you know, I don't, I don't think like the rest of the family really thinks it's real or it exists, but it's just, it's a really weird movie, very loosely based on professional wrestling, but it (laughs) keeps getting weirder. Right. I assume this is the hometown of the ultimate warrior when I'm watching it. Yeah, Warrior, he's out there. And the, when, when they have the scenes in the, with the swamp and the demon pops up, the ghost of the ultimate warrior, he's, he's, and, uh, you know, he's in the background. Maybe the Dungeon of Doom, too. There, there you go. The it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan could run in. Zodiac. <laughs> oh, all the good people. Uh, I've noticed, you know, because I do the horror movie and the wrestling show, uh, that there is a big crossover audience. Uh, a lot of horror movie fans like wrestling. A lot of wrestling fans like horror. It seems that way. Yeah. Which is good, for, for especially for parts unknown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know man i don't know there was no question really i just just okay. talking i guess so just but, a uh, commentary. <laughs> yeah that's the, the show doesn't really we don't ask questions here we just talk but, uh, <laughs> christina are you a are you a wrestling fan i loosely know things about wrestling i'm not gonna lie i think it looks really cool and people that wrestle have much more uh, abilities than I have as I, you know, I'm on like a princess chair right now. So I'm not entirely a wrestler, but I think it's really neat. And seeing everybody uh, like in the film actually wrestling was pretty wild. I just sat there and I was like, huh, I'm really glad I'm the demon and I don't have to do that. (laughs) Uh I just have to be scary. (laughs) How about filming the wrestling scenes, Rick? Uh, well, you know, what was that experience like? And I assume you have to get people because I know, uh, like Lizzie's, uh, has had wrestling training, and uh, and and the star uh, has uh, wrestling training. Uh, did everybody? Um, the people, the people in the yeah, let's see, yeah, they everybody in, their, in the, the ring. ring did, yeah, everybody yeah. you saw in the ring did. Um, so yeah, uh, Sarah, Lizzie, and Will all did, and then you know, like um, yeah, I think anybody else who ste- who stepped inside. Had some kind of, some kind. It had uh, Brian Zane was in it. He's a jobber in it. He's got a wrestling show, and he he wrestled before he did the wrestling uh, YouTube show. So, um, yeah, I, I guess the, I guess they all did. Um, I don't. Too, most of the other actors did not. You just said jobber, you know, and I know what that means, but uh, you know, everyone might not know what that means. So, like when you're writing the the script. And you want to use like wrestling jargon because it makes it seem real. But then also you might not want to use too much because then some of the some of the people watching might not know. And then you also don't want to just explain what every term means because then it seems very unnatural. You know? 
Yeah, I tried to throw in a little bit here, like whenever there was like a locker room scene, you know, there was like a promoter character in it. And, you know, they did throw out a lot of the the terms and, you know, as, as they do, and, you know, they just kind of naturally would. So I tried to make it feel like that locker room, you know? Yeah. And I like the promoter character. He's very sleazy. <laughs> yeah. We're all doing a good job with that. Uh, yeah. Which I assume most wrestling promoters are. Um, if any are watching, you know, I'm sure they're, yeah. they're upstanding people. But. Um, yeah, they're absolutely upstanding people at all times. They always pay everybody and uh, not with actual money, not hot dogs. So, right, know. right. Uh, we right. have me and wrestling promoters have a, have a lot in common. <laughs> so, Christina, were you paid with a hot dog for the movie? <laughs> well, a fair amount of hot dogs and snacks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, it's it's not uh, shady like a wrestling manager. It was a very professional and. Fun I remember it was gluten free snacks, though. On a Rick Chandler said. Yeah, it's a yeah. step up. You get gluten free and vegan options. The step up. Which it's is about perfect. All you get, but you know. Yeah. Snacks are great. I would I always be paid in food. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I did on set. I had some pizza and uh, and brownies, and I just sat there. <laughs> it was not helpful in any way. But. <laughs> <laughs> Many, just like I am on the show, I guess. Except for my brownies or pizza. So, I don't know what's going on. So, all beauty must die is the shirts. Do you still have those? I was trying to find mine, but mine's much too big for me now. Yeah, I don't think I really. I think all those were like given away, or because we only had a couple of those shirts. At that, you know, they were made for the movie. Yeah, they're they're pretty sweet though. That was yeah. Fun. Were you at the premiere, Christina? I was. Okay, so I might have met you because I, I was feel yeah, there. possibly. But again, I didn't look like a demon, so I don't think anyone knew why I was there. <laughs> uh-huh. That's that- true. Yeah, that's true. You must have blended in. <laughs> yeah. Who uh, designed the demon? Um, uh, V Height, who was the uh, key makeup or key uh, SFX artist amazing job i loved working with v she is attention to detail it's fantastic it's very fun costume it was an experience being in it yeah <laughs> what, what what was the experience like being in the in the demon costume in the holiness uh, costume so the holiness costume was um essentially you know my whole face was covered and i had contacts that were pretty cool but i couldn't really see out of my peripheral vision and I couldn't really hear so a lot of it was just trying to feel out what I thought was happening uh-huh. um, so a lot of the movements that I end up making are just kind of like slight twitches from that but it was because the costume was a little bit heavier than I was expecting but I think that's what made it look so creepy because the movements ended up being so inhuman because the costume made you feel not like a human <laughs> yeah had you had any previous experience working uh, in a costume? Um, I've done uh, full-body latex costumes before, oh, really? actually. And they also, you can't move or breathe or know what's happening. So it's kind of just a feeling of, like, you really need to know what's going on and do a little bit of reading beforehand so you can respond based on the cues you hear. But it's fun. It's, it's fun to creep people out yeah. and, like, creep around the set in the costume. I definitely scared some people just by walking by, I think. So, yeah. 
<laughs> when you were performing, did you know that Jake the Snake would be, would be your voice? I think at that point I did. And um, I wasn't 100% sure what he sounded like at first. Okay. So I went and listened to a bunch of clips and I was like, yeah, that's much better than my voice coming out of this. Because I have a very childlike voice and it would have been like a different way of creepy if you heard me go, oh, beauty must die. Yeah. <laughs> a little creepier. That's so right. <laughs> yeah, it'd be different, yeah. <laughs> And uh, Jake the Snake is a very um, unique uh, promo in wrestling because uh, unlike other wrestlers who usually like are very boisterous and loud, he talks softly. Yeah. Which uh, I've had him on the show a bunch of times. And uh, he always said it's because if someone talks uh, slow or, or low, you, you have to pay attention so you, can, you have to listen to see what they're saying, which I thought was very interesting. Oh, that is very interesting. Smart, though, because you – have to pause and put all your focus on the conversation right. yeah then it sets them off from everyone else who's yelling and yeah <laughs> uh how did you get jake rick uh pretty simple i just sent an email sent an email out to his manager and just made an offer i didn't i didn't i don't think i met him previously not an interesting story, sorry. No, it's, it's not so easy. I'm very thrown off. I thought they'd be more complicated. Right. Yeah, you could just. I would just make something up. Yeah. You had to like Same fight story. first and right. see if you were strong enough for him to yeah. be on set. See if you could take know. the DDT. Yeah. He DDT'd me into into like the pavement and put his snake on me, yeah. and Demon. then he was like, "Yeah, all right, I'll read the script." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Trista, do you have a question uh, for either of our guests here? Um, I have a comment. So I'm actually a wrestling fan, so I was very excited to watch the film. And then it opens with a guy wrestling in leather pants, which was like blew me away. I was super impressed by the skills involved in wrestling in leather pants. Um <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the film, but that really had an impact on me because I cannot imagine wrestling in leather pants. Um, anyway, <laughs> I felt compelled to say that. Um, so you guys shot in um, Boston, is that correct? Um, yeah, in the area. So I'm wondering, I don't know much about uh, the, that film community. I know Neil's kind of out there, and I know um, our mutual friends, Michael Epstein and Sofia Cassiola, they're musicians and filmmakers, and they're from that area. But I don't know much about uh, the film community. Can you tell me about it? Is there like a thriving film community in Boston? Oh, God. (laughs) I think that... Boston's really unique and unique where everyone's trying to prove themselves. Cause when you're in like a smaller market, um, I think a lot of people compare themselves to New York or LA. So everyone's trying to kind of figure out how to make your mark and make, you know, it a unique Boston production. And I've noticed a lot of filmmakers we use, you know, take advantage of the fall because that's a different season that they don't really have in LA. So a couple of projects That's I've been in, we've used the fall as like a setback just because you know it's New England when you see the trees, just to kind of give it that mark. Um, I do mostly voiceover work, actually. So it's a little bit of a different community that I'm involved with. But overall, what I've seen of the Boston film community, I think everyone's just, you know, you got to try to prove yourself in a small market to prove that you can be 
you know, anywhere. And it's a cool experience to watch everyone be so passionate. Oh, cool. So there are a lot of passionate artists. Like before COVID, were there a lot of film festivals there? I know of a few that were um, around here. And I think that Boston's constantly, it was pre-COVID, kind of like growing to be a bigger market because a lot of big movies will come shoot here too now. Um, so I think it's a developing market where it's kind of constantly changing a little bit, but people are very passionate and you either, you know, leave Boston to try to go to LA to do something or you try to bring LA to Boston is the way that I see a lot of people approach it. Interesting. Uh, there's a big comedy scene there, right? Yes. Yes. I have seen some cool, uh, comedians and I think that, it feels like it's a good comedy scene and a, a pretty good music scene in Boston as well. And I think that... Unfortunately, a lot of the music places, you know, are closing right now. For, I know. For, for good, a lot of them. A I lot know, of ones have been around for, you know, decades. No, it's, this has been so hard, I think, on creative people. I, I feel lucky that I do voiceover because it's something that you can do remote, on like, on your own, kind of. Mm -hmm. But it, it's cool to see people be creative and do, like, Zoom scenes or you know, film on their own and then have somebody else film it and like cut them together. I think everyone's finding like workarounds. Uh, Rick, did you have anything to add about the uh, Boston uh, film scene? It's a lovely place with even better people, my friend. Cause I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> uh -huh. Excellent people. Top the best, the biggest Neil, the biggest. The, the biggest, all right, the biggest. In the I heard best. that. I'm just, that's what I was told to say before I came on here. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just making sure I get that point across. All right. Well, what is the name of your uh, company, Rick? I know it used to be Boston Film uh, uh, Family. Well, it's, it's yeah. still technically Boston Film Family, but we rebranded a little bit as uh, Boston Undead um, for, you know, just moving in the direction of, kind of a little bit more exclusively dark content and horror. Um, so just kind of going in that direction, just a little bit of a, a rebranding of sorts. Uh, we mentioned uh, Paul McLaren, who has, you know, a small part in the movie, but uh, you did a lot together. Like, didn't you, like you'd work on his stuff and, and he'd work on your stuff. Yeah. I, um, I played Satan in, in gay Jesus, which was one of his movies. I'm a big and fan of gay Jesus. I'm a big Jesus. fan of Paul McLaren movies. It's too bad he yeah. can't make movies. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Paul's stuff. Um, I definitely, I think Paul, even though like they probably wouldn't look at it this way, but I feel like they were one of the groups that like I wanted to actually work with. Um, you know, I thought that like the stuff that they were doing was cool because it was artistic, but it was also exploitation, which is what I try to do too. You know, I, I think that, there's not a lot of people that like do both. I think a lot of times it's just super artsy or it's like, like almost schlock, you know? Yeah. That's what drew me to his stuff is like, it's uh, definitely, a, you know, exploitation film, but it always had uh, some type of social commentary in it, which was, yeah. that appeals to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, gay, even Gay Jesus, like, just the idea, gay, you know, obviously it's trying to push buttons on some people, but if you watch a movie, it really actually follows the Bible pretty closely, except for, you know, Jesus happens to be gay in it, but... It's a um, controversial movie. Uh-huh. 
Um, but it was it was fun. I think they pushed the envelope. But um, let's see, when was that? Like 2016, 17? People were still kind of pushing the envelope. You know, like, yeah. you know, especially with Parts Unknown, that was like our goal. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's like things have changed slightly. You know, but... Well, interesting. Has that affected, uh, like, uh, what people think of them, uh, you know, since it came out? I think it's been a little bit harder to promote things, yeah, because we're in kind of like a weird market now where like somebody can take a sentence or they can take a character or like one frame and they could say that it means something and just post just that, you know, and people don't have to really like, for instance, if somebody did that, like literally taking something out of context. Yeah. I feel like if somebody did that four years ago, it would have been like controversial, but it would have got, eyes on the product and now people are like almost kind of scared to to do something you know like they almost don't want to get in the middle of the of like something that could be too controversial like even if the social message is fine or you know it doesn't really matter what side of the political spectrum it's on if it even is on a spectrum it's it's more just like people just don't want to touch anything hairy now you know yeah, I mean, I've not lately, but I used to get banned from Facebook a lot. That's why I had the backup account for yeah similar things. But yeah, I, no, I understand. It's a weird world. Mm. So, uh, the, what what's a wild eye releasing like to work with? Um, I thought they were decent. I mean, they they did a good job with PR and um, getting the movie out there to uh, critics and stuff like that. You know, some distributors just don't. They just throw it. They throw it in the wind, and they're like, "Hey, hope someone watches it." Right. <laughs> now, Christina, when you said you started watching uh, Jake's promos, did that affect how you moved, or you know, how you played the character? Um, it gave me a key on that the note you made about his voice—that it's kind of softer. So it kind of my initial idea was to be a little bit quicker with my movements, but hearing how slow he spoke and soft made me realize that moving slower would probably add to his voice tone Mm -hmm. and make it a little bit more like, Oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to be around this thing longer than I have to. Right. So it definitely just made me realize the way my movement should have been. Cause I definitely initially thought like quick and creepy and it made me realize that slow would probably match it a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think you were going to move too fast and all no, that. No, I didn't really realize how heavy it was going to be initially. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I wasn't it. sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I, it slowed me down a little bit anyway, but I tried to be conscious a little bit about, like, little things more than I would have been, I think. Uh, Rick was talking about, you know, the movie um, being controversial or pushing buttons and stuff. Uh, how about – because this is something I don't always think about because, like, my family – have always watched like really strange movies. That's actually how I like watch movies. But uh, how about yourself? Like your family and friends, have they seen the movie? And uh, you know, what do they think of you being involved in parts of it? Um, My friends have seen it. Some of my friends and they all like horror. So it was kind of like a good crowd of friends to show. Um, My parents are a little bit, actually they'd probably think it was cool too. I don't I think they just haven't watched it to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> but my, my sister really likes horror. So I come well, ironically, good. I like horror the least out of my family because I'm oh, really right. jumpy. 
You're off the I show like, now. No. Yeah. No, I like the concept of horror. I like watching horror, but I'm like, all the lights are on and I might not sleep after, even though I've been in horror films and I know how that person did it. I'm still like, no, that one demon though, that one's real. Right. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder if that's a better way, if you would enjoy, because I mean, I still like horror movies. I don't really get scared of them. That's not trying to be tough guy or something. It's just like, no, well, no. <laughs> I wonder if like, uh, you know, just, uh, if it would be more enjoyable, if like I did still get scared of, of movies, you know what I mean? I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Cause I can't. Yeah. You know, I definitely, I think about them more and I think there's a few that I really like, but I definitely like, I watch horror movies with the lights on, even though that's illogical. I know it's not, nothing's going to happen, but yeah, I'm still terrified. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's part of why a lot of people like wrestling too is, uh, uh, I always think people uh, assume, like, people watch wrestling, they think it's real, and they're kind of like dummies or something. But uh, my experience is the vast majority of people watch it because they're entertained. And, yeah. And just like if you're – I mean, there's people who get really upset, like when characters died in The Walking Dead or Game yeah. of Thrones. They didn't really think, you know, that, you know, Rick was eaten by zombies. But, they you know, they, they got into the character. and just like, yeah, uh, you get, when, like if you watch wrestling. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And the athletics are really incredible. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, there's a lot of things about wrestling that, that's appealing to me. And uh, it's kind of the uh, – it is very impressive what they're doing. I like the the, theatri the theatrics of it. Sometimes yeah. I like even the over-the-topness, like silliness of it. And then yeah. there's also some serious stuff there. I mean, I kind of like uh, – if you've ever seen Beyond the Mat when he tries to explain why he likes wrestling at the beginning, I would see that's like a spot on – thing because it kind of just runs all the there's nothing else quite like pro wrestling it's it's really its own thing i like kind of yeah. all aspects of it i think it's like one of those things you either kind of get it or you don't because like you said a lot of a lot of like my friends will be like i don't understand you know what's so it's like this is just this match is like 40 minutes of guys just <laughs> you know they're, they're stuntmen and i'm like no nah, it's it's there's such like a psycho if if it's done well, there's like a psychology behind it, and then there's like this backstage, you know, the all this, the dirt sheet stuff that's going on that like no one, you know, I find that very interesting, you know, how it's run and how it's promoted. It's a lot like in film, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I mentioned like the words you used, you know, jobber and, and juice use it and stuff, and just that that whole aspect of it, the the cave, the it's like it's got its own language that goes back to the carny days, which all of that I find really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, and I'm sure that you know not everyone's into that, but but so uh, how long how long have you been a wrestling fan, Rick? Oh, f forever, like since I was like six. You remember like who were the first people that really you got attached to? Um, well, Jake the Snake for one. Um, he was one of my favorites when I was growing up. Uh, being a kid, I obviously liked Hulk Hogan. You know, and I, I always like. I think as a kid, I always liked the big baby faces. Um, you know, until I was like a little bit older, you know, and then got into you know, everybody was like super into like, you know, Stone Cold and uh, Vince McMahon and that, that whole conflict. I think like, yeah, people obsessed with that in high school. It was like, what's Vince going to do? Like, you know, it's like, and people wanted to see that over the top stuff. Mm -hmm. The you know? attitude era. 
Yeah. 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 People were obsessed. I graduated in 94, right before the, the boom period. So like there was only like one other person like wrestling and cause it was like going to the clown era. So, Oh uh, yeah. But I like that too. So. But yeah, uh, I, um, Krista, I don't know if I've ever asked you who your favorite wrestler was. Oh, um, well, I, I too was a Hulkamaniac, um, but I really liked Rowdy, Rowdy Piper as That's well. That's my personal favorite, actually. Yeah. And I love They Live, as you know. Yes, uh, yes. How is Jake doing? What's up? Do you know how, J- how Jake the Snake's doing? Um, last I heard, he was doing okay. Um, I have no idea how people are doing during this, you know, global crisis, but prior to that, he was doing pretty good. He tweeted something I thought was really kind of, it was poignant. And some people, some wrestling fans made fun of it, but he was talking about being so lonely, uh, during the, yeah, people make fun of them. Some wrestling fans are, are (laughs) wrestling fans are, um, very, kind of um troll shall we say yeah yeah not <laughs> everyone but there's, thing to do. Uh, yeah I, i'm 100 percent with you and it was it was <laughs> i mean he's talking about you know because he was clean he's been clean now but he had you know during quarantine especially when it first started like you know he couldn't do anything and he was yeah. in a hotel room and no one to talk to and he's mm. like you know he had urges to you know to do things and i thought you know i can you know I totally understand that. And it was really sad. And, you yeah. know, I guess he did what he, he could to stay clean. But if people don't know, he's currently a part of AEW wrestling on, on Wednesday nights. Oh, wow. Oh. That's really great, actually. Yeah. He, he's, I yeah, hope those great. people feel really good about, like, making fun of someone for yeah. struggling. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I agree with yeah. you. It's, very, it's, it's a weird world out there. As many times I think about quitting the, the the wrestling show because of people like that, but there are a lot of actually nice wrestling fans. So it's not I really feel so defensive of Jake the Snake right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm with you. Mariella here says she was a big Captain Lou Albano fan. Oh, wow. Before I lost a lot of weight, people always uh, said I looked like a, a lot like Captain Lou Albano. I can see that. I can see that at one point. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a huge compliment. But I know I like the Lou Albano. Maybe I get some rubber bands in my cheeks. Yeah. For people who don't know, he used to pierce his face with rubber bands. <laughs> so it's a look someone needs to bring back. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. See so uh, what made you decide to like, uh, you know, you love wrestling. You want to do a wrestling, you know, uh, themed horror movie. Like you said, it's not like you don't have to be a big wrestling fan to watch the movie. True. Yeah, I I always wanted to do like a wrestling horror movie because I thought like the world of wrestling. Um, I mean, maybe it's a little less dark in this past I don't know six years, but it was super dark at one point, and for a long time. I mean, what business besides maybe the film industry has such drug use, like actual murders, actual deaths, you know? And it's like they're just covered up. You know, they're covered up for business, you know, and I'm like, if I could take that darkness and put it into a horror movie, which is supposed to be dark, you know, I'm like, the two things kind of went together. And then, you know, because it's a Rick Chandler movie, it had demons and it made no sense. But, you know, that was the idea. (laughs) 
Well, if it didn't have demons, you know, Christina might not have been involved. Yeah. And... That's true. So sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you need to do. De- By the way, you said it, you know it's a Rick Chandler movie, and I know like uh, even I don't know spoilers, but stay after the credits if you watch other Rick Chandler movies. You know there is uh, uh, characters that are, are throughout the year the, the Chandler universe. I guess we'll say. Uh, will we see any of the characters from uh, from this and, and anything else? Yeah, actually, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> one reviewer picked up on it, and I was like, holy shit. I was like, I wanted to send that guy, like, a bouquet of fucking flowers. I'm like, somebody <laughs> actually pieced it together. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's connected to uh, Witch Hunt or Witch Hunters, as they renamed it. Um, you do see my character from – if you stay for the credits, you see my character from Witch Hunters – you see the general from Gilgamesh, and which I don't believe is streaming right now anywhere that I know. And it um, kind of connects the movies together loosely. Parts Unknown does follow the events of Witch Hunt, I think like 12, 14 years later, like pretty closely, even though I think most people probably won't realize that. Um, there, the, uh, mother of mercy character is in both movies as well. So will there be another in the future, anything you're working on that we'll see anyone from, uh, parts unknown? One just about the holiness, I think would be a great idea. The whole mm-hmm. backstory, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. Se- the series or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think it's. It's interesting because I, you know, I we talked, we did have serious discussions about this, um, mainly in the you know 2018, um, you know, beginning of 2019, and I think things just got kind of hard to shoot, and now obviously with the pandemic, it's gotten even harder. Like locations became really tough. Um, now they're like impossible. So I think it, it would be really hard. I think to do a movie that might be on that grand scale of things, but it would be really cool to pick up the story. I might even be a little bit too close to real life now, but pick up the story where everybody's like these zombies influenced by the holiness. And they kind of look at the holiness as kind of like a God now, you know, and they're just loving this idea. (laughs) And they're, you know, kind of going around as this, as you know, just causing all this chaos. And then from that chaos, I was going to have like the government come in and step in. So you see these kind of like factions. Um, and then you see some villains from the past kind of pop up to take advantage from this. Um, hmm. It was something I really wanted to do. I think it's kind of eerie now because like, I feel like real life is, is we're almost, we're kind of almost there, but uh I don't know. It requires maybe a little bit more budget than I'd be able to pull off, especially with the locations that I don't know. I don't know how I'd get them in this yeah. like post COVID world. Um, yeah. You know, we had a whole movie um, where we were going to shoot, you know, and it was the first movie I couldn't do, couldn't shoot in like 15 years because we just locations just kept falling through. Yeah. Um, and that was before the pandemic, you know? So now I'm just like, yeah, I don't, It'd be tough to do a movie of that of that caliber, but I would love to to answer the question. You know, to answer the question in short. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Christina, what did you think when you saw the, the finished movie for the first time? Um, it was cool to see everything put together. I feel like I fixated so much on the stuff that I did, and that's, like, what I knew really well. Right. So I was surprised by things that happened because I had been so intense on, like, what's the holiness doing when this is happening? So it was neat to just see everything come together. And I didn't see um, – I wasn't there for any of the wrestling stuff. So to see like that on stage was really cool to see how professional and badass everybody looked wrestling. It was neat. Yeah. yeah. And then you got to see someone wrestle in leather pants. Yep, exactly. <laughs> leather pants, baby. I think they were pleather just for the record. But. Oh, okay. Oh, you had a very puzzled look as I was describing it. And I guess that was the one. <laughs> oh, <me? My> <laughs> is always That's just my natural look. But um, I think they, they were pleathers. So maybe he was able to move a little bit more in them for that reason. I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's nicer for, you know, there's no, there was no animals harmed. Animals in the world. Right. Yeah, yeah that's good. At least we cared about one cause when we made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I mentioned uh, family earlier, you know, I know Rick's dad, you know, uh, works on a lot of, a lot of people might know this, that Rick's dad works on a lot of movies. So uh, how influential was your dad, you know, f- uh, as far as you getting into making films? Um, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's done audio for a long time. He's made a lot of the props. He's done some of the practical effects, like the blood explosion type effects. Um, so like, yeah, he's been a big part of, of things, um, consistently, uh, whether he regrets it or not, I don't know, (laughs) but, um, he definitely, you know, has been there and has, uh, put, put in a tremendous amount of hours, uh, on on set and offset. Mm -hmm. What's that like to work with your dad? He's the, he's the real boss. Cause I can't. I can get mad at him, but he'll he'll kick my ass later, you know. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. Well, was is he a, a like a a movie buff himself? Not particularly. Like you know, I think he he's like an action movie buff. So like he doesn't even get into horror. And he watched wrestling. Like I, you know, he watched it when I lived there. Like when I was in high school. So he was exposed to like the Steve Austin era and then he, you know, so it's probably like more familiar with that type of stuff. Right. Uh, you know, Tristan asked about, you know, uh, the Boston um, uh, film community. And I noticed that James Balsamo pops up in so many Boston based like films. And I wonder why, <laughs> cause he's like, he's in LA. Well, why is James popping up and everything? Well, he, because <laughs> he, he, he makes it a point to, no, I like James, he's a good guy. <laughs> no, I like he, James um, too, I've known him for a long time. Yeah, he, I think when conventions existed, he was often there and he would like, he's a friendly guy, so he would approach and he'd be like, hey, here's a shirt, here's one of my movies, check it out. So then it would be like, oh, hey, you know, why don't we find a way to like give each other cameos? So it's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I like it. And uh, he has a very distinct voice, so it's always fun when I hear James uh, pop up in something. Yeah, he was the uh, DJ. He did like a voiceover DJ thing in Parts Unknown. Right, yeah. 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 Uh, he even has a small part in the, in the movie that, that I was part of in, in uh, February. So he just pops up in everyone's stuff. 
Yeah, he kind of does. He's the he's like the Lloyd Kaufman of our of our time almost. He just pops up in like every like B movie, every like you know, yeah, exactly. That's I don't blame him. So, uh, what? How about Lloyd? Have you ever done anything with uh, trauma? A short that I produced and acted in was on uh, Trauma TV, but I did not work for them directly. Yeah. Seemed like you could be a good fit. I feel I'm surprised I've never worked with them directly. Um, it's just, feel, I don't know, just like it just hasn't happened. Yeah. That's how but I met I think, Paul, who I, who I met you through, and Michael through, and lots of people through. But when I met Paul through, through uh, uh, Trauma and, and Lloyd. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, I think Trauma put out Honky Holocausts, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's how I met One of their so. movies, yeah. Yeah. Which, like you're saying, that I thought uh, Honky Holocaust is a very funny movie, and also has a lot of a lot of social commentary. But I think uh, today it's even though it's it's not racist at all. I think it, people would see it that way because of the use of uh, the language in the movie. It's it's the association and the stigma that it, it's because I'm in the. I feel like I, I kind of I understand that. I feel like a lot of my movies from that era too like somebody would take lines out of it. even if a villain said certain stuff people would be like why was that there you know and it's like well it's not like promoting that language it's not promoting the negativity it's it's just part of the plot but i think that like honky holocaust like did it like bash kkk oh Nazis? definitely yeah it's an yeah, anti-racist you know, movie that's the whole message absolutely, of it, so. yeah but you're right. Like people would take like that one line out of it and try to create like a black cloud, you know? So I understand or like, you know, a stigma. And, um, I think that's, it's re- you know, because of that. And that's what I was saying before. It's, it's getting so hard to make these like B movies that stand out because you can't compete with Netflix and they're like constant stream of like boring ass quarter of a million dollar, slasher movies that are just like all right we've already seen that they're cookie cutter mm-hmm. when i first got netflix they had a lot of uh independent horror films but it mm-hmm. seems like there's nothing there for like as far as like indie horror not really much Tubi. horror at all but yeah Tubi is really great I yeah i agree Tubi's yeah <laughs> tons of stuff and uh i know a lot of my you know friend probably mutual friends with you that are upset you know that Tubi was bought but up until this point, uh, I know a lot of the independent filmmakers said it was one of the better places just as far as, you know, treating you well and, 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 and paying you decently for your stuff. So I don't think I've had there. anything on there, but I did hear good things about it. That's unfortunate to hear it was bought, though. Yeah, hopefully so it's gonna they, they say they won't change anything, but, you know, who knows. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so far they still do have all kinds of really – uh uh, bizarre stuff out there that you can't find you know anywhere else and it's you know and it's free for for you know to view you, you get a little ads but you know who cares about a couple ads I don't yeah know. no i don't care at all about ads i feel like you when you watch tv there's ads anyway so yeah a lot more ads on regular yeah. television than uh than two or three yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so you said you do a lot of uh, voice acting uh, i do and, uh, what kind of stuff um i actually primarily focus on like children's voice acting okay. <laughs> i do um a lot of little kid voices um most of the stuff i audition for are either like 
really small female voices that are like, hi guys, brush your teeth. Or it's like that generic uh, anime boy voice where it's like, hey guys, I'm a boy. It's like that raspy (laughs) kind of voice. But I mostly do um, stuff geared for children. Right now I do a lot of educational videos for little kids about brushing your teeth or being nice to each other. Um, I've had some cool opportunities. I've done some horror video games, actually. Oh, really? I get to play a creepy kid. Is the character's name is just creepy kid. So I have a type, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's cool. And I always wonder, like, uh, it seems like a hard world to get into. Like, uh, oh, definitely. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Like, how you get into that? Um, so a lot of stuff for voice acting kind of comes down to it pays off to have like traditional acting experience because people see it as you've already been exposed to that kind of world. Um, I built a home studio. Uh, my boyfriend built most of it. I'm not going to take credit. I bought a microphone, <laughs> but we have a home studio. You have to be able to connect with um, your clients so they can like live direct you. A lot of um, people, if you don't have an agent, I'm fortunate enough to have someone like vouching for me, but Twitter is a really good way to get into voice acting. There's a ton of indie calls for video games, for indie cartoons, for YouTube. This kind of like a little like underground Twitter community for like giving people chances to get in. Interesting. That's how I found my way was just searching on Twitter one day and I found a pretty good job and I'm still doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, when you do voice acting, do you do you always see the character that you're doing the voice of beforehand? No. Um, it depends on the company. And I actually have heard from friends that do bigger um, voice acting jobs for, like, for example, I, I know someone that voiced in Final Fantasy. They, had, they voiced random characters, no idea what they looked like. No context, just, like, a lot of times yeah. you see what you're going to do when you first get in there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to ask the like the animators or whatever. Then, if they base the the looks off it at all, yeah. you know the voice. I've always wondered that. There's one character I voice um, in a children's thing, and she started off as a blonde, but now she has two red pigtails. I'm like, hmm, is that because of my hair, or is that just am I overthinking it? <laughs> right, right. Well, if I start wearing a demon uh, mask, yeah, <laughs> of, yeah, I'm. I try. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, there's also the, the MAGA hat, which if I remember correctly, like it wasn't like that huge of a thing when you had the MAGA hat in yet. Like it was kind of before they really became like a, a big talking point. I can't believe more people aren't talking about that. I can't uh-huh. believe that has not come. You're the first person that's actually brought that. Really? Up. Yeah. And I'm very surprised. Um, Cause yeah, one of the members of the Von Strasser family um, in the movie wears a MAGA hat, which I get, which kind of implies that even though this movie takes place in the future, it's possible Trump was still president. And I don't know. Is just am I psychic? Are we heading towards? Are we heading towards that now, Neil? Because it's that's. Uh, Obviously, Hopefully not. <laughs> when we did it, obviously it was supposed to be funny. It was like the Von Strasser's right. were crazy. They, you know, the guys, he's like a hardcore Trumper. And, you know, now it's kind of like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh. 
You know? It's funny you say that because uh, recently I was like cleaning up my, and I found this pin that I got at a Mad Monster, and it's it's Trump as Superman, and it was like this, and I found it at a convention because I thought, and I just kept it because I thought it was so stupid because at the time I thought like, well, who's ever going to vote for this idiot? And then I look at it now, I was like, oh god, <laughs> the people, you know, people yeah. did vote for him. I laugh, but you know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> So what what was like the what was the decision to put him in the mega hat? Why did I put him in it? Is yeah. That what you said? yeah. So you know that character. It's it's funny because of the way things have gone in this past this like let's say this past six months. The character was he's very. He would be one of those people that would be protesting masks and not wearing one, and you know he would be in the front line of like. Um, saying explicit things and believing all the weird conspiracies and that character would be doing that. And it's funny because it's like, you know, again, those are the people that you see often wearing the red caps and the red shirts and the, you know, like kind of culty. People I block on Facebook. People you got to block on Facebook because they – they get very weird and talk about demon sex and um, uh, the new world order and not, and, and not Scott Hall. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I get surprised <laughs> every time I go on Facebook. Cause I, I used to think like, Oh, all this stuff was just jokes. And then I was like, Oh, these people actually really believe this. And then, uh, yeah. And that, that's the messed up part about the Von Strassers is they were supposed to be kind of like tongue in cheek, psychotic. And now they're kind of be, coming people you almost see on the internet and it's scary a little bit it's a little wild it is yes very weird times uh i have some notes here uh nipple severing so what was it like to uh, sever a nipple on uh on screen i like the nipple story because it was so hard um no joke the nipple was very hard. It was actually uh, Lizzie's um, a mold of her nipple. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, you didn't really cut her nipple off. No, it, <laughs> she did not actually die right. um, or get her nipple severed. That would be pretty hardcore. But the um, – so, yeah, we, uh, the actress who was cutting it, Sarah, couldn't cut it. But it just didn't cut. It was so hard. So she just started stabbing it. And then we had to do like an insert shot of it getting like cut later and it was kind of peeling off. So there was like a lot of, there was a lot of stuff going on with that nipple. That was a big thing. Yeah. Do you still have the nipple? I think it is floating around in a prop box somewhere. I do have one somewhere. So yeah, kind of creepy, but I do. Yeah. Is Neil trying to get the nipple? <laughs> <laughs> I need that, yeah, people don't know this. I have, I have a huge collection of, of nipples. The, the largest in the cave. <laughs> right, yeah. I tried to get keep when I had uh, surgery last year, and I lost my belly button. I asked my surgeon if I could keep the belly button. Oh, to make a, I asked him, cause I, and I said I want to make a wallet out of it, and he just looked at me. <laughs> That's very Ed Gein of you. We would know we we have to send that off to a lab, and I was like, "Oh, just kidding, dude." But, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but yeah, that's that's cool. Who did the Who does the gore effects? Well, that that was done by V two, V as well, I should say, and uh, I think uh, Sam Regu also works on the nipple. Um, 
uh, they did the silicone hand that blew up, like all the silicone stuff. Yeah. Where, where did you film the wrestling scenes? You know, I brought them up a few times. Uh, wrestling scenes were filmed in a place, like some kind of mill building in Lawrence that we rented. And we had um, Bell Time um, Wrestling came in. We rented their ring. They set up. And uh, it was a very expensive day. <laughs> Probably the budget of that one day was the entire budget of witch hunt, which is like totally messed up. So glad it happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't even know what the question was, but yeah. <laughs> no, filming the wrestling scenes, you know, where they were filmed. Yeah, it was filmed. It was like a warehouse somewhere. Dude showed up, let us in very shady. Like cars kept coming in the parking lot and just like observing us. I think they <laughs> thought it was a drug deal or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I always see, you know, on your Facebook, you're going around like uh, cool locations, you know, and you're doing photography, photography and stuff. Uh, when you do that, do you ever keep places in mind? Like, hey, this would be a cool location to film, a, you know, a scene in the movie? Yeah, I think it's tough to – some of the places I've been in recently, I've either been there illegally or um, they've just – it'd be tough to get a crew of like 30 people in there. There's no bathrooms and stuff. Um, but yeah, shorter, shorter content, which may be the direction that I'm forced to go in anyway. Cause, cause of COVID and just the insanity of the world and people. So I feel like, yeah, it's been pretty good. I've been kind of like going with, you know, mental asylums and stuff, but I was recently kicked out by the police. Oh, really? Yeah. That's unfortunate. It was. was there a story there? Like, uh, how, how did they find out you were there? Go on. Yeah. How did they find out? Yeah. Yeah. We walked in, and I've been there like three or four times, and then it's but some some idiots were setting off fireworks, I guess, for the fourth, and then you know I think they were like burning burning things, just being dumb. And, you know, I went in just to do photography and film stuff, just being, you know, an art nerd and whatever. And I wasn't there to destroy things, but the cops were already there and they, sh- they were there when I got there and the guy came out and it was, it was, it was, it, was, it could have gone a lot worse than it did. Um, I kind of distracted the guy. I had like a little cell phone gimbal and I'm like, yo, look how cool this thing is. And he just couldn't stay mad because he liked it. <laughs> um, but he was pretty pissed. He said the place was radioactive and we needed to get the fuck out. Oh. No. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe he's trying to be nice then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you run into that before? I don't keep bringing up Paul, but I know Paul's, you know, had some run-ins uh, when he's filming things. Yeah, there was a couple times. I once in Brockton we were down a dead end street in front of somebody's house and the cops came. We had a prop gun and uh, that could have gone a lot worse. Um, I think the worst time I was in South Boston breaking into a building on a roof for a movie as an actor, I will say as an actor and like the police showed up and you know, I did not know they were showing up. I didn't know they weren't actors. So I was breaking into a building, you know, and I had a, I had a prop gun and 
I just turned around. The cop was there, you know, and he didn't have a gun pointed at me. He was just down at his side. And he was like, I assume this is for a movie. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to get shot. And he's like, yeah, I'm an actor. But luckily you already saw like people downstairs, you know, otherwise I feel like it may have gone a lot worse. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Yeah. It would have been kind of cool to get shot and not die. Cause then I'd be like, you know, I took one for the team, but. Right. Only if they filmed it, right. It'd be great. Production. I, 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 oh, yeah. I agree with Tristan. Oh, Tristan yeah. Wow. That would have been something. Yeah. When we used to do you know, weird thing, I always said, try to, if anything happens, make sure it's on camera. You know, make sure you film it at least then, you know, you get some hits off YouTube. Or yeah. You can always put it on YouTube, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Luckily we never got into serious trouble that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's good. So a parts unknown. It's on Amazon prime. Uh, the physical copy as well. Yeah, on Amazon.com, I think you can you can buy a DVD as well. Is there any uh, specials on that, do you know? Yeah, actually, there is. There is a scene that is removed from the streaming because it was the worst scene in any movie of all time, including my own movies. Um, and, yeah. That it includes, did it involve a barbed wire bat? involved a razor blade dildo. Oh, that, all right, yes. I... I I thought that wasn't in the because I saw that in the in the premiere in the theater, but I didn't think it was in the uh, in the version I saw again recently. No, it's luckily I had the foresight to cut some of it out, and I am very glad that I did because I just feel like it may be excessive violence. Again, there's people that love excessive violence, but there are also people that maybe that was pushing some buttons, you know. I mean, it was pretty bad. So it is on the DVD, though. I think so. You know, I do think some people walked out of the theater during that scene. They did. That, I, I think that was the only time in my life where I said, oh, shit, maybe I went a little too far with something. So, yeah. So what was, that, was, was the decision then? Like, like, I'm a, like, how early on was the decision to cut that scene? Um, I had a couple people tell me I really liked the movie, but that scene, come on, you know, and they kind of said that and I was like, all right, all right, all right. I was like, maybe society and maybe rightfully so this was pretty bad. I'm like, you know, maybe we're moving away from depictions of extreme violence. You know, maybe we're getting away from the Japanese horror, Ichi the Killer type stuff at this point. I mean, maybe in other countries they're still into it, but. You know, I mean, maybe America is getting away from it. And then, you know, I went to, I was like, kind of like, you know, maybe I should cut this down. Because people were like, why is it so long? You know, why is it friggin' three minutes? And I said, well, that's the realistic time it would take for someone to die from that stab wound. And they were like, oh, dude, we didn't want to see it for three minutes. And I'm like, okay, I've heard this enough. I'm like, I'm going to cut it down. And I'm like, I'm not going to take the, it's still in the movie. It's just like quick. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, I, I thought maybe, I just re- remember it wrong, but I remember it being a much more graphic scene when I saw it uh, at the premiere. It is, it's, it's bad at the premiere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Christina, uh, where can people follow you to see what you're up to? Um, that's a good question. 
Uh, the, if you want people to know, I don't know. Maybe you don't want, yeah, you don't want them I'll to know. Yeah, I'll go for it. Yeah, no. They can know. Um, yeah. I use Twitter for voiceover. So it's just, it's Tina Time VO for voiceover. Very creative. Or uh, Instagram is Christina the Actress. So creative. <laughs> I think it works. I'll remember. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> and where can people follow you, Rick? Uh, I think I am Boston Undead everywhere. On Twitter, all those Twitter's kind of dead. Um, but yeah, definitely like Instagram. <laughs> well, it's dead for me. I think I have like <laughs> most of my following seems to be on Instagram oh, yeah. for some lame reason on my personal Facebook. Because you're undead like, everywhere, but you're just dead on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's a weird combination. But yeah, I did, I don't. I'm not really adding people on Facebook right now, but we do have a fan page. So at Boston Undead everywhere, you can find. You find the, the the meat and potatoes there. All right, all right. Someday I'm gonna do an interview with Rick and get all the dirt on all these things that are hinted at. No, oh, man. <laughs> oh, I know you you wore your Moxley shirt because I was like, does he want me to be controversial and talk about shit I shouldn't hear or unscripted violence? Yeah, I'm like, you can have a show just called Rick Chandler Unscripted Violence, where like I blade halfway through and just go on a rant. Uh huh. We'll save that one for you, the exclusive. All right, all right. It's a deal. <laughs> uh, Trista, did you have anything uh, before we go? I'm sorry. Uh, well, I also quickly wanted to mention that I really enjoyed the uh, synth music in the film. Oh, did that's you a good point. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, talk about that for a second, if, if we have yeah. a second. It was really great. Thank you. I actually was a very heavy influence on the film itself, was just the, like the dark wave type of music and the composer did a really really good job i think um creating that and um, who is the composer um andre uh fernandez if i'm i think i'm saying his name correctly he's Sorry, uh, I put you on the spot <laughs> i don't know just in case i'm mispronouncing that i apologize but um i don't know what his website is but he does really good stuff and uh if anyone is interested i about hiring him i do have his email so i can point you in that direction i agree with trista that was a good point because it is uh it, that that's a great part of the, of the movie it really adds a lot to the score indeed i dig it all right well this has been fun it's good to talk to everybody thank you very much for having thank us thank you on. so Appreciate much yeah. great meeting you stay safe Thank you. You too. Meeting you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. And thanks for watching. Thank you. (laughs) From ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. The tomb of Nick Cage. They come at night, mostly. 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The tomb of Nick Cage. They